Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. Um, every once in a while, I get to, you know, hear a new catchphrase. And as I hear it, I keep wondering, how do people really come up with these things? Really, how do you? Um, there's one that my wife particularly likes. Um, and she's the only one that helped me get it right for the message. Anyway, it's this one of God the Creator, Abeg. God the Creator. All right. Um, but you know, I was asking first service guys, and they were like, all these second service people, they are sure that the only times you use God the Creator is not in, you know, looking at nature or just staying at what God has created. Or maybe you are in a flight and you are just, you know, 30,000 feet above sea level and you are like, hmm. God decreed. They said that for you guys, what you guys do is when you want to post your Sunday service picture in Anger put God decreed. I told them, I said, I trust second service people. Those guys, those guys. Don't joke with those guys. Though. All right, but maybe, maybe, maybe we can do an honesty check this morning. Let's find out. All right, when you want to say God decreed, it's that moment where you are posting a picture. Or you are admiring yourself in the mirror for some number of ungodly minutes. <laughs> or someone else. Wow, well, you are in good company because every once in a while I get to catch myself just looking at my wife, admiring maybe her picture. And I'm like, oh boy, God the creator, babe. Yeah. yeah, it's allowed, it's allowed, it's allowed. Um, my wedding anniversary is in a few weeks, so, babe, I'm already ticking. You get it? <laughs> all right, all right. But here's the good part, though. Here's the good part. When we talk about this thing of God they create, it's not even just us. I feel like it's also God because we would walk a creation story very quickly. Open your Bibles to Genesis 1, and we'll walk a creation story. And you would find, what you would find is that you would find that even God was in on this. So just for a start, let me say this. God doesn't just create. He creates with more in mind. And this creation story will begin to tell us some of the things that God is calling us to. So Genesis 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering upon the waters. Verse 3, he then says, Light be. He said, Let there be light, and there was light. So they want God created light, and he created darkness. No, God didn't create darkness. God created light. He separated it, right, from darkness. The light he called day, and then darkness he called night. So, if God was going to speak in our 21st century lingua, God would look at what he said because, you know, the Bible says he looked at it, he said it was good, right? So if God would look at it, God would say, ah, oh, more. I decreate, ah. <laughs> All right, that's it. All right, so day two, God created the sky. Day three, God made the earth, the waters. Day three, also God made something that you would, you know, if you've ever had the privilege in life of tasting a really dope agbalumo, it was day three. It was, it was, ah, yeah, God bless you. <laughs> Agbalumo fans in the house. If you don't know what Agbalumo is, Agbalumo is Agbalumo. Just figure it out. All right, but day four, God then created light, right? Light to divide the day and the night, all right? So he created the greater light for the day, and then he created the lesser light, the sun, the moon, the stars. And then day five, God then begins to create the sea life. He created living creature beds to fly across the sky and above the face of the earth. Now, Day six, God is getting ready to, like, make the best of his, of his creation, right? He's, it's like this thing of you've played round of 16, group stage. Now you are in Champions League final. God is about to do a big, big, big. First service, I was thinking about it, that is this thing of maybe my team will play Champions League final next year. I now even realize that we're not even playing Champions League. So. 
It's just one of those things. Uh, thank you, thank you. All right, but God is now set to create the best of his creation. And I love it, paraphrasing the words of one of the most amazing worship teams on this side of the world. They say it this way, yes, you can worship. Yeah, you can shout about it, you can shout about it. They say it this way, they say, earth's dust was touched by God's heaven. So God in that moment, if you don't know the song, it's always only Jesus, right? Just listen to it. All right, it was a dust bread conversation that God was having. So what did God do? God put his breath in man. God put his most valuable assets in Exodus verses. So they, since God made us, he created man in his image and in his likeness. And what did he do? He blessed us. And in that blessing, what did God say? He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, have dominion over all that I've created from day one to day five. So what happens is in the blessing that God put upon us, what happened is that we had the potential for more. So in that blessing, the potential for more became possible. So God put a blessing in me, put a blessing upon me. Now as a result of that blessing, all that God had created before man could find full expression. So that's why you now have trees can become woods, um, woods can become, what else, what else, what else, chairs, um, yeah, tables, all of that, and on and on and on. So God did all of that. No wonder Job speaking in Job 32, he says there's a spirit in man. It's the breath of the Almighty. It gives him understanding. I love the way the message translation puts it. It says it's God's spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty. It makes wise human insight possible. So this, friends, has always been God's intention. God had always intended this. But we know the story. Man fell. And with the fall, there was a disconnect from God's original plan, right? There was a disconnect from God's plan, right? But God always had that plan as his part of his original plan. He always had more planned with his original plan. So we fell, we were lost, we were sinners, we were dead. We had so much not going for us at that time. But I love the fact that God wasn't done yet. God had more planned. And I love the fact that we don't just live in the deadness, in the mess, of where we are, there's a but God to our story. A but God then steps in at a point. Ephesians 2 from verse 3, I love this. I'm reading Amplified Classic. It says, among these, as well as you once lived and conducted yourselves in the passion of your flesh, your behavior governed by your conduct and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of your mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. Wow, this is a lot. Where, this is all us anyway, all right? We're then by nature of, of God's wrath and hairs of indignation like the rest of mankind. I love verse 4. Verse 4 then says, but God. Come on, look to somebody, say, but God. But God, so rich in his mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive. In, worship, in fellowship and in union with him. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life which he quickened him, for it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve that you were saved, delivered from your judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. So we see a story of us being dead, you know, lost, in a mess. We couldn't figure out ourselves. We were given to our own desires. But God then steps in. And as God stepped in, steps in through Jesus' sacrifice, a way was made for us to now come to God. We could now approach God. He raised us back to life. He made us right with God. And off of this, he now made us the kind of people who could really say that we are blessed, who could really say we could truly and really live 
for the more. And this brings me to my first point this morning. Make it good because those first guys were just like, mm, this is your point. All right, so make my first point look good. Encountering Jesus leads to more. Yeah, thank you. I, I said it. I said, I said the second service, guys. Got it, guys. All right. Encountering Jesus leads us to more. So, like we said before, we see a story of us, you know, being dead, lost, giving to our desires and all of that. But Jesus steps in. Now, when Jesus steps into our story, Jesus doesn't refer to us based on where we are coming from. He begins to refer to us on, based on who we have become who we now are, what we have now become. So Jesus begins to speak of us, and he speaks of us. He begins to call us blessed. He says you are blessed. He says you are chosen. He says you are the head, you are not the tail. He says you are above, you are not believing. He says you are his own anointed. He set apart people. He says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Amen? Amen. And although all of God's statements about us is true, sometimes our experiences don't yet match what God has said about us. Sometimes our experiences don't even match it. Um, I remember, this was like a few years back, and I beg you, don't judge me for this. I still went to school. I didn't give up. I stayed at it. I graduated. All right, so I remember, huh? Oh, this shall I just to say one thing. All right, I remember that, so this was SS3. I was about to write WAIC. I was new to faith. Um, I was, you know, just ready, and I was in this assurance of all that God has said about me, I'm, the, I'm a winner in Christ. I was all about it, ready to go. And this is not to say that it's only when you're new to faith that you're on fire for God. We're we are always on fire. Amen? Amen? All right, great. And then it was this thing of I wrote the WAEC. And if you know things about WAEC and NECO, you know that you write WAEC, you write NECO. If you used to do GC, you write GC, write WAEC, write NECO. Thankfully, I know. Wait, did I do that? No. Let's not, let not even get into that. So I wrote WAEC, wrote NECO, and the results then came out. And I failed. That's why I said, don't judge me for it. I failed. Now, I know that some people, you know, you fail, then you can meet two results, and you know, Rabbi? My failure was so great that even if I tried to meet both, still no show. This is what Christianity has been reduced to. You are laughing at somebody's life. All right. But this kind of led to like a series of events, things like, you know, deliverance prayers. Fasting is often that you, the things an African mother will do to let you know that your village people, they will not have the last laugh. All right? So did all of that. But here's the point I'm trying to drive home. Right? Sometimes our experiences don't yet match what God has said. And sometimes it just has a way of getting at our hearts. It begins to cripple our adventure for the more. It begins to stop us from really living for the more that God calls us to. And maybe you're like me. You know, you've, you've seen failure. Like when they are talking about failure, you know. You know that you know that you have become a taster for faith. Like somebody will bring their failure, you taste it. The salt never eat. Imagine what they you never feel. All right. Or maybe for you it's hot. Like you've seen some hot, you've seen some heartbreak. Like you've breakfast has been served. Like cold, hot, all over. Or you've seen some discouragement, disappointment. See, I beg of you. All of that can be happening. But don't let that be the condition of your heart. Don't let that get into your heart because the devil will try to use that to just reel you in and pull you in. See, there's something that we grew around growing up in church, like when we were much younger, there's this statement that they always say. They would say to us that the devil is a liar. All right? And I believe that is still true till today. The devil is a liar. We might live in a falling world, but we can still stand up 
to the more that God calls us to. The devil is a liar. When we say the devil is a liar, it doesn't mean that he does not tell the truth. What it means is that the devil cannot tell the truth. So don't allow, you, don't allow him to reel you in into all of that. Because for all he has said, bear in mind that there is a God who is true. So rather than focus on all of that and begin to panic, would you rather turn and refocus to worship and praise a God who is good, a God who is true? So I've come this morning to remind you, I've come to remind your mind that there's a God who is true. We are a blessed people, friends. God's blessing is upon us. His hand is upon us. You are blessed. You are chosen. You you are his set-apart people. Amen. God has chosen us. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Those he has called out of darkness to proclaim his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. So we will not be silent, people. We won't keep quiet. We will shout it out at the mountaintops that Jesus is alive and he has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. All right. So what we've seen so far is to see that God created us in his image and in his likeness and he has blessed us, Right? He saved us. And in, just in this thing of our experiences, what we might also find as we travel our journey is to realize that sometimes we don't get to see all of God yet. And because we don't get to see all of God yet, what that means is I don't get to see all of me yet. And this brings me to my next point. Let's make it good, all right? God is a puzzle master. Thank you, thank you. Energy has dropped to 30%. <laughs> thank you, all right. God is a puzzle master. God loves himself a work of art. God loves himself a work of art. And I'm like, God took his time when he was creating us. Ephesians 2 from verse 10, NKJV says this. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love it in the voice. The voice says this. It says, we are the product of his hand. I don't know if you've ever held something, maybe an outfit or something that was handmade, like it was handmade, you can feel it. God took his time, like he crafted us. Next one, he says, heaven's poetry etched on our lives, created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish good, good works. And I read this and I'm reminded of Jeremiah. God speaking to Jeremiah, he said to Jeremiah, he said, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you. Amen, somebody. God says to Jeremiah, he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, a hope and a future. And that's God's arrangement with us this morning. So God is not calling us to something he's just going to do. God is calling us to something he has prearranged, just as we already said, created in Christ Jesus for good, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And as I look over creation, Jesus was not in a disarray. God was not in a disarray. He didn't create the birds, then he was like, okay, you know what, where would I put the birds? Okay, ah, let's quickly create sky and put them in the sky. No, the skies were created, then the birds. The earth was created, then he brought forth the animals, then he brought forth the trees. There's an order, there's a system. He created everything else, then he brought man to have dominion. And this is the beauty that we live in, people. This is the beauty of our experience, that we live in an experience with a God who has the full picture because he is Alpha and Omega. He is author and finisher. He doesn't start, then finish. He starts because he has finished. And sometimes where we are, listen to this, friends, sometimes where we are, God might not give you the full picture, but here's what he will give you. He will give you enough pieces to make the next move. God might not give you the full picture, but what God will do, 
what he's faithful to do is that he would give you enough pieces to make the next move. As I speak about this, I remember Elijah. Now, Elijah in 1 Kings 17, Elijah was at a point where he had spoken to, um, the, the, had spoken to Ahab, and he said to Ahab, he says that there shall be no rain, there shall be no dew, right, till I say so. Now, First Kings 17 from verse 2, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This is Elijah now, get away from here, turn eastward, by the, and hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. It's shocking to me that even in this space of God giving you the pieces that you need, see, he would give you pieces that would lead you to where you should be fed. He would give you pieces that you, it would take you to places where you, should, where you will be fed, communities where you should have the right conversations. God will drag you into those places by the pieces that he gives. Amen. So God said to Elijah, go to the brook. There the ravens would come. And this was not a question. This was not when Elijah now brought out, some of us even have maybe like A6 or A8, whatever that is. Really long sheets. And we're like, God, let's have this conversation fully. So you know what? Let's agree on some terms. So God is like, I'm just saying, God is like telling Elijah, go to the brook. And then you're in this thing of God. So let's have a brief Q&A. Let's answer some questions before we agree on all of this arrangement. So God, wait. What if the ravens don't show up. What would I do? Would I just be drinking water? Okay, wait, what if a raven is even on its way? Then one day, Anigu just decided that this is my food. It's the raven, it's the bread. So what happens? I honestly feel like it's times like this where God gives us a peace that sometimes we begin to lose our peace. That's P-E-A-C-E. We begin to lose our peace. We begin to lose our peace. Reason why is this? Because we, wa- we are wired to know. We want to know. We, we want to know what, what's going to happen in the next minute. We want to know what's going to happen in the next few steps that I take. I want to have a 10-year plan. I want to have a 50-year plan. Me, in 50 years. And sometimes what that would make us do is we would zoom in on a puzzle piece, viewing it in isolation of all that God is doing. We would zoom in on a puzzle piece, viewing it in isolation of what God is doing, and we would forget that it was God who gave you this piece. It was God who gave you this piece. So friends, what God would do is God would give you the peace that is necessary to take the next step. Sometimes we have to be okay with God not telling us. We have to be okay and allow God not tell us, because sometimes God doesn't tell us because he doesn't want us to know. If you are into um, intelligence movies, you would have heard things like classified intel, right? Sometimes God is not telling you because that information is classified. Friends, did you know just one more verse, the brook dried up. Just one more verse, the brook dried up. And it happened after a while, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I keep thinking to myself, what would Elijah have done if he had known that this brook I'm going to is going to dry up. Sometimes the ignorance on our journey to a God discovery is part of a God process. God is deliberately not taking us, telling us 
because he's working a process in our life. So we must be ready for the adventure that God leads us to. We must be ready for what God is going to bring on next. We must be ready because in that moment, in that moment where you feel like this peace is about to expire, in that moment, we have a God who is faithful. Verse 8, it says that, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, verse 9, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. God would provide like he would give the next right piece. God will bring it. God will show you that he is faithful. I think about this and you are saying, oh, you know what? It's not a big deal. God was just like telling Elijah what to do step by step. But I think about it and I'm imagining what it would have been like if I was Elijah. Because Elijah was literally at the, at the brook. He was seeing it, sorry. It keeps mixing up. He was literally at the brook, right? And every one more day he wakes up, he sees that the brook has shrunk a little bit more. Every one more day, but he stayed through. He stayed the course, understanding that I might not know it all, but I know that he who gave me this peace is faithful. That just in that moment where I think it's going to expire, just in that moment where I feel like there's nothing else, just in that moment where I feel I need help, he's going to show up with something. I don't know about you, but God has come through. God has been faithful. Always and always he would show up. He would. Show up. So don't try to author a chapter of yourself in a God story. God is the one writing the story. It's his purpose being fulfilled in our life. He is purposefully giving us in pieces because he's working a process. Isaiah 28 and verse 10, he says, precept upon precept, line upon line, a little here, a little there. And I feel like this just speaks to us deliberately. He says, it's that consistency of every one more day of just showing up one more day, of just taking that next right step, of just staying through, of just staying the course. It's just that one more right step because we must be people who must build well and build right. We must be people who must build well. And there's something, there's something, friends, there's something about having stronger systems for the heights that God is calling us to. I mean stronger systems of growth, stronger systems of community, stronger systems of study, of worship, of just lifting our eyes to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I would follow. I would follow because you are faithful. So the secret to our peace is not to have all the puzzle pieces. I know we want to know. I know we want to know. We want to find out. We want to know what the next 10 years holds, what the next five years, what the next minute holds. But the secret to our peace is not in having all the puzzle pieces, but to work, our, but to work the puzzle of our lives based on the pieces that he gives. We must work the puzzle of our lives based on the pieces that he gives. So this is our peace, friends. This is how we find our peace. And let me leave you with a question just as I move on to my next point, guys, you might not know the whole, but can you still go? You might not know the whole, but can you still go? What are the giftings? What are the talents? What are the platforms? What are the influence spaces that God is calling me to do more, to fulfill more that I have in my hands today? Because for every one of us, we would be in those contexts. We would be in those moments where we are moving from the brook to Zarafat. From the brook to Zarafat. And we might not know I said this to you this morning, we might not know, but if we would go, even when we don't know, God would have the next piece waiting on the other side. If when we go, even when we don't know, God would have the next piece waiting on the other side. Because for every climb that you take, 
with the peace that God gives. There's a God that is faithful and is true and is doing what he alone can do on the blind side. For every climb I take with the pieces that he gives, there's a God who is showing up on the blind side. Amen? Amen. And so for my final point this morning, more is an invitation to a God discovery. More is an invitation to a God discovery. No, you already messed it up. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> All right, more is an invitation to a God discovery. People, for more to happen in my heart, I need God to do what he alone can do. I need God to show me who he really is. I need God to give me a revelation of himself because my journey to more doesn't begin in self-discovery. My journey to more is not a journey of self-discovery. My journey to more is a journey of God discovery. If I would find more, it's because I encountered him. And I know that maybe motivational speakers would speak to you and say that, oh, you know, it's just in this thing of discover yourself, just five things to know. And all of that is true. In fact, I believe strongly that God will not do for us what we should do ourselves. God will not do for us what we should do for ourselves. And, I be, and my prayer even through this series is that we would be the kind of people who would put out the efforts, who would step into those places to show up, who would invest in knowledge, who would invest in learning, who would step up to show up in responsibility, who would make ourselves available for people to you know, trust us and depend on us, who would be those kind of people that would show up for our family, show up for the people that we love, show up to serve in God's house, show up to worship. I believe that it's okay for us to be that, but I pray that we invest in all of that, our quest for more will not end in those spaces. I pray that our quest for more will be to invest in knowing him. Jesus speaking to the disciples in Mark 3, he said to them, he called them to be with him first. He called them to be with him first that he might send them out. He called them to be with him first that he might send them out. Friends, more begins at the source. More begins at the source. More begins as I spend time with him and as I spend time in his presence, I begin to discover who he is. The more of him I see, the more I understand what God is doing in my life. Amen? Amen. Friends, I think about this and I think of Moses and I see, Mo I see God and Moses having a conversation in Exodus 3. Now, God's in a conversation with Moses. Moses has just encountered God on Mount Horeb. Now, this is no small encounter. Moses is encountering, sorry, Moses is encountering God through a burning bush. Like, bro, what other signs do you need? Like, this is a burning bush. And then God begins to tell Moses that, see, I have seen the oppression that the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites with. I have seen it, and I'm set to bring you guys, deliver you from the Egyptians. And I'm not just bringing you out, but I'm bringing you out to bring you into a promised land that I have for you, and you are the man to lead the charge. You are the man to take them there. And for all of that, for all of that invitation of God to Moses, for all of that invitation, maybe that's the person to lead us there, for all of that invitation, Moses still had an objection. Moses still had an objection. As I, say, as I say this this morning, I think about how many of us as Christians, God is calling you to say, you are a light to a dark world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the God flavor that would bring flavor to a bitter world. I see God calling Christians to say, I want to put you in places of influence, in spaces of health, education, finances. I want to make you something. I want to make a name for myself with your life. 
but for all that God calls us to. Sometimes we just respond with our limitations, our failures, our objections, what we have, what we don't have, what we need. But I invite us today, friends, to a new response because more, it's not the discovery of yourself, more is a God discovery. More is an invitation to a God discovery. Guys, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that God will do what he says he will do. God will do what he says he will do. Numbers 23 and verse 19. He says that God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, would he not do it? Has he promised, would he not make it good? God makes good on his promises. God makes good on his promises. But the bigger question is this. Will God do it in me? Will God do it through me? Will my ordinary become an expression for his extraordinary? Would I give in to a sound and a call of destiny? Or would I be caught up in my history? Because for all the limitations that I see, there's a God who is willing and able to do immeasurably more. For all the limitations that I see, there's a God who is willing and able to do immeasurably more. For all that I've seen, if I would yet lift up my eyes again, for all the heights that we've climbed, if I would yet lift up my eyes just one more day, what we would find is that there's more promise than what we see in the present. There's more promise than what we see in the present. God doesn't just force us into this, guys. He invites us to it, and he graces us for it. Because for all that God calls us to, he supplies it in us by his grace. Amen? So invite us, I invite us this morning, let's respond to a God discovery with passion, with childlike wonder, with adventure, ready for what God has next. I don't have a child yet, but I'm looking forward to coming home every day with a new gift for my child. You don't understand it. This is God to us. God has something. And he might hide it right behind him, but it's a gift wrapped. He might hide it right behind him. You might not see it yet, but there's a discovery coming. He's going to show it. God is calling us to a God discovery. I might not have all the pictures. I might not know it all. In fact, sometimes my strength fails. Sometimes I'm weak. Sometimes my insecurities take surface. But God is ever present. He is a son and a shield. He would give grace. He would give glory. His strength is still being perfected in our weaknesses. We might not know it all. But we know he who we have believed. And he's able to keep it what we have committed to him. Amen? Amen. So let's be alert, friends. Let's be aware. There's a God discovery that God is calling us to. Let's be aware. And what we would find as we begin to piece our puzzles together, friends, as we begin to piece our puzzles together, here's what we would find, friends. It would look more and more like Jesus. It would look more and more of him. Not 10 steps to figuring your life out. Not 101 ways to bring out the best in you. Motivational speakers will tell you this. But our puzzle pieces, when we assemble them together, it would look more and more like Jesus. So please bring my puzzle. It would look more and more like Jesus. This is God coming, right? All the puzzle pieces ready, right? God coming, please celebrate. <laughs> All right. It would look more and more like Jesus. So by the time we are taking the puzzle pieces, Tolu, please come. By the time we are taking the puzzle pieces that he gives, when we set every, this is not Jesus, yeah, but you get the point. All right, it would look more and more like Jesus. So don't allow Jesus to fall. <laughs> it would look more and more like Jesus. As we assemble our puzzle pieces together, it would look more 
and more like Jesus. It would look more and more like Jesus. See, in Matthew 16, you know, Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he asked them, he says, who do people say I am? And people were responding. Some say you are the prophet. Some say you are John the Baptist, Elijah. Different responses. Then God asks, he says, who do you say I am? I think about this and I think sometimes, interestingly, she still did this yesterday. My wife would ask me questions. Anybody that is ever married would know that there are times where you will be asked a question and you just have to think twice, knowing fully well that the question is not for sake of ignorance. It's to prompt something. And this is what God did with the disciples. He wanted to prompt something. When God asks us questions, it's not a conversation of he being ignorant. It's because he wants to reveal something to us. He wants us to catch a revelation of who he is. He wants us to see him. And then in that moment, Peter begins to respond, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. You are savior. You are master. You are Lord. You are the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. You are the son of the living God. And I call to us today, can we lift our eyes this morning and respond just like Peter to say, Jesus, you are my savior. Because if I ask you here now, who is Jesus to you? That's the big question in all of this. Because more is not a conversation of you. It's not in self-discovery. It's a God discovery. More begins with Jesus. More begins with Jesus. I don't know about you this morning. Thank you, Tolu. I don't know about you this morning. But I need a revelation. Thank you, God. <laughs> I need a revelation of who Jesus is. I need a stronger revelation of who Jesus is. I need a revelation of what only Jesus can do. I need a revelation of Jesus himself. I need a revelation of him as Savior. I need a revelation of him that pushes me into God's house, that I would worship louder because the sounds in my mind are so loud. I would scream at the top of my voice. I would say it on the mountaintop. I would shout about it. I, would, I need a revelation that would push me to Jesus, to more yieldedness, to more surrender, to saying, God, I give it all to you. I might not know it all, but I know that you are faithful and you are my savior. You are my Lord, and I would follow. I would follow. And that's my question. That's my challenge to us this evening. Because at the end of the day, what we would see when we put our puzzles together is that we would see a revelation of who Jesus is. And as I've spoken, maybe you haven't figured it out yet. The point is, Jesus is the picture on your puzzle. Jesus is the picture on our puzzles. And that's my topic this morning. The picture on our puzzle. Jesus is the picture on our puzzle. And because of Jesus, because of him, because of his sacrifice, I can truly live for more. I can stand up one more day. You can rise on your feet. I can stand up one more day. I can fight to be more. I can stand up to all he calls me to because of Jesus. Because when I piece it all together, it's Jesus. And as I find Jesus, here's the beautiful thing. Here's what happened in Matthew 16. As I find Jesus, Peter is responding. He said, you are Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son 
of the living God. Friends, it's not about us. It's about a revelation of who Jesus is. A revelation of who Jesus is. Because in that moment that Peter was responding, something was happening in Peter. Something was awakening. In that moment, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon Barjona, you are Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Verse 18, he then says to him, I call you Peter. And on this rock, in that moment, Peter shifted from being Simon. He became a rock. He became someone that can build his life. He became that man who can stand in the midst of men in Acts. He could stand up. People were saying, these guys are drunk. But he stood up and he declared the word of God with boldness. I still believe that if we have the right revelation of Jesus, we can truly live for more. If we have the right revelation of who Jesus is, we can get our lives right. And because of Jesus and his sacrifice and all he has done, we can truly live for more, friends. We can do more. We can be more. We can show up to all that God calls us to. And worship in a moment, I'd just like us to respond and just focus on Jesus and just worship him for who he is. In Jesus' name, amen.
of Jesus for me to discover who I am myself. I need a touch from heaven. I need a touch from heaven. Something more than I can do in myself. Something more. Something more. There's more. You're calling me to more. God, touch on my heart today. I'm not made for mere faith. I'm not made for just struggling through, just struggling, just striving in myself. I need more, God. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need a revelation of Jesus. That our eyes is open. That our eyes is open. That our eyes of understanding is enlightened. To know. To know. To know. To know. Who you are to us, Jesus. That you are a revelation. You are a healer. You are a savior. You are a Lord. God, I need I pray all across this room people needing more people needing more people don't want to struggle anymore we don't want to struggle we know that with God we can make it through and we know that you are faithful touch on our hearts God show us reveal who you are to us we don't want to stop short we really want to live for more in Jesus name Amen I don't know how maybe you're in this service and you're just in this conversation you're saying you know what Jesus the good guy he's done what he's done but I'm saying to you this morning that more begins with Jesus I'm grateful I might have seen failure I might have seen heartbreak I might have seen loss but I'm grateful that that's not the definition of my life. More is in Jesus. More is in Jesus. And this morning, we just want to give an invitation, just give an opportunity to someone who is in this room or online this morning saying, you know what? I'm not in the right place with Jesus. Because Jesus asking the disciples, he says, who do you say I am? Today I'm asking, who is Jesus to you? If he's not Lord, if he's not Savior, if you're just living for yourself, going your way there's so far that can take you at the end of the day you discover that more begins at the source and this is the invitation that we have for you this morning if there's anyone who in this room would not be raising their hands in a moment when I ask you to is because this is what we have found we have found a Jesus who is more we have found a revelation of him as our redemption as our, and our salvation. And so we want to give you an opportunity this morning. We're standing with you because we support you in this decision. And we want to ask this morning, I want to ask this morning, if you're here, if you've not made a decision to, you know, to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, to yield yourself to him, to follow him, or you're here, you've made a decision, and you know right now you have walked away from it. Today is the day. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. There's a Savior who went up 
on that cross 2,000 years ago died a death that you deserve so that you can truly live for more. And if I'm speaking to you this morning, if you're in this room or online anywhere, the count of three, would you raise up your hand wherever you are? One, two, three, please raise up your hand wherever you are. Raise up your hand wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. In this room online, I see hands. Thank you. God bless you. All right. We'd say a prayer with you this morning, but this is a family. It's not a crowd. And we'd just like to support you in this decision that you've made. You can put down your hand now. Let's pray. Say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. I believe Jesus is the son of God. I, t- I make today the day that I boldly declare him as my savior and my Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your grace. Give me a new slate, God. Forgive all of my sins. I will follow you. I will live for you. I will stand for you. And I know that one day I will be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you pray that prayer at the end, we are so excited about your decision for Jesus and we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There you also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.